welcome to Plus One to Gaming. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. And joining us today is our good friend, Billy. Hey, Billy. How are you? Oh, doing pretty awesome. Uh, Mark's going to have the day off, and we're going to talk today about combat in D&D 5e, and more specifically, how to keep combat moving, some different ways to think about combat in your game, and different ways that you can customize combat or adjust it to make it better for your game, for your table, and your players. So, Billy, you're going to be DMing the next session for us, Book of the Raven and Candlekeep Mysteries. Do you want to kind of take us off and share some of your perspectives about combat in 5e and how how do you keep it moving? How do you organize your combat and what are some tips or tricks that you've learned to kind of keep things moving at an appropriate pace for the game? Sure. Um, combat is, there's a set pace for combat since it it basically turns into a turn-based RPG at that point, kind of like a, a Final Fantasy or something like that, where everybody has a set turn and it goes in an order and we know what that order is. So the main thing you're trying to do is keep keep a good flow since you're not confused on who does what and then and if I'm doing this, this person's doing this at the same time, like when you're doing exploration, when you have two people doing something important at the same time, how do you resolve that? Combat's a little easier, but it can very easy to be bogged down and have like one counter take two hours. So mm-hmm. what I really like like to do is I I think it's important to know what the what type of combat your your party or your group likes, first of all. And what do you mean in by that, that? Like what does that, in that look like? Do, because like descriptions are I like being very descriptive in, in my combat. So I don't want to just say, okay, you hit. Like I want to, you know, take a few seconds to show each, you know, swing of the blade like <clears throat> You know, if, if it beats your AC, but not your AC with your shield, then it bounces off your shield, things like that. Um, and But it, it just takes a little bit extra time, two or three seconds, maybe five seconds each round or each each time to to go into those descriptions. So if you really have like a, a combat heavy, like people that just like crunchy numbers, they're not, you know, they're looking at as, did I hit or did I miss? Like, was I successful or was I not successful? Right. And... Luckily, I don't think any of us are like that, but some people out there, they may be. Like, if they are the combat-oriented, where you just, they roll the dice, and you're like, all right, you hit. And um, and you just keep that moving there, because it's more about, like, their, you know, the time's taken for strategy and not for, you know, role-playing. Yeah, and that's, um, I mean, there's... D&D started off as a war game simulation, and so, people, you know, it's still valid, even though it's kind of evolved over the years to more of a story playing and collaborative role playing game. There's still people who really enjoy that very tactical and granular combat experience. So I think to your point, like that, that's totally valid. You just have to be able to um, adjust the combat, adjust the encounter for both the people at the table and make sure that things are, are make sure that things are staying moving. Wrong way to play at all as long as everybody's having fun the only wrong way to play is if people aren't having fun then, exactly. then you're doing it wrong yeah um so i'll i wanted to preface that first off when i start giving advice um, because this is how i i would do it is that i like to have ideas in my head like while they're rolling and doing the you know figuring out what to do i'm thinking of 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 cool phrases that you that you could do like if they have a sword just thinking like oh he's gonna slash his leg you know or something like that and 
it just it makes me uh, have that ready so that when he does it, you're not just like, oh, okay, you um hit and it slices his leg. Like that's not immersive. Like so, it's just slowing it down. Like no one's excited to hear it. You're just you're be adding description. Yeah, and to your so, to your point, knowing really being in like a fan of the characters, knowing the characters and like what weapons they're using, how they're fighting, I feel like adds to that flavor because you can, you know, if you're playing, uh, you know, can be the can be the rainbow cleric, you know, you can, if you're a fan of that character, you can kind of help add those flavors when when describing the combat scenes. Yeah, you, I mean, and it can be really simple, just like, oh, like Cammy, she had her mace. You're like, Cammy swings and donk, it bounces off the armor. And like, easy enough, v very simple. Um, and so that's, I like to, you know, like, I, I, I don't like to focus on like making this huge, like five or six sentence, you know, acrobatic thing. I'm not, you know, Ari Salvatore, and I'm not describing a, you know, a Driz Jordan like encounter where you know you're talking about flipping and all that other cool stuff like if you have a character that does that you know it, it could get very um like it's cool once in a while but if every like somebody is like that rogue it's like i'm gonna flip over and do a backflip and all this other stuff like that's not it shouldn't be the normal thing like if it's yeah. a if they did something daring you know they they rolled a high you know a, a check and they succeeded on something oh i'm gonna jump off here and i'm gonna try to flip behind him and hit him in the back. Then you get very descriptive and, and that, but like with your normal, your normal attack when it's just back and forth, I like to just keep it to, you know, like a one sentence thing. Uh, Cause then you also don't have one character dominating the, the action. And, and that can also bring a party down is where you have one character that's just way more, combat oriented and just more combat successful it's happened a lot yeah. with one of our friends who 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 just i don't know if he rolls poorly or just makes poor characters um you talking about me you're talking about <laughs> mac how like we'll all be he's just unsuccessful in combat just always constantly habitually unsuccessful in combat <laughs> and how do we make sure he has fun yeah um, and and i think I'm getting off the the pacing thing here, but it also is. I think it's important too because if if your pacing is off and then they do something and then they dismiss, it's unsuccessful, and then they have to wait 45 minutes for them to have another turn. You know, check out. Yeah, they check out. They're laying down. They're checking on their phone, and yeah. so you got to keep the other characters involved. So I I think I I, I it, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I think my my best way is kind of like pre-plan in your head while they are doing while they're deciding what they're going to do, have an idea of what's going, what the other characters are going to do. Um, so that especially if it, you have a heavy NPC or heavy number of monsters, you know, it's just like monster one does this monster two does this. Like you're not thinking. So you have like a, you have a strategy of what the monsters want. You're not just reacting 100% to what they do. You're like, okay, these monsters want to, you know, they may be smart, so they know that they want to get the guy in the back who's doing damage with the arrows. And so that's what they're going to try to do unless somebody blocks them. Yeah. So have your characters, have the monster characters have a strategy so that when something happens, you can react. And, okay, they're going to do this. And it keeps it interesting so you're not just like, all right, who hasn't been hit for a while? I'm going to have them be hit. That's a good point. I've There's been many encounters on games that I, you know, maybe haven't really prepped that much for. And there's 
an encounter and I didn't really have a strategy or a game plan for what the bad guys are going to do. And having just a little bit of motivation or goal or, you know, I guess like aside from just basically what you said, oh, I haven't attacked this player in a while. Might as well spread the love. Uh, it gives it more immersion in, in realism into the encounter and maybe just raises the stakes a little higher. Eric, it sounded like you had something to, to say. Did you want to jump in? Yeah. Um, first of all, I agree that your monsters, your antagonists, whatever they may be, need a motivation in combat, and that kind of helps drive their actions. I think along with Chris, like that, that took me kind of a long time to to figure out because I was doing that. Like, I don't know. I didn't want to be the main DM, so I would like he hits player one. And now he hits player two for no reason other than I hit player one and I don't want to kill him. I think that that's if we're, if we're going to come with some takeaways, I think that that's a very good, like very easy takeaway that you're the monsters that you are playing in combat need a motivation. Uh, and that kind of leads to their tactics. Something yeah. I wanted to kind of jump back to that Bill mentioned a little bit. That also took me years to really figure out. And one day I just had like an epiphany um, <clears throat> when you're describing if a player hits or not. There are several ways to describe that they do not hit. So if their attack roll is under the natural AC of the monster, they miss. If the attack roll is under the AC plus the dex like addition to AC, then the monster dodges. If their attack is under the AC plus armor, then the, the armor blocks it. You know, you hit their armor, but it does no damage. And then if the attack is under the AC plus shield, then they block it with the shield. So I normally will have, especially for like, if we're going to be in a big fight with like one person, because it's hard to do with a bunch of like little monsters, um, I'll have that kind of listed out like his natural AC is 10. So if they roll lower than a 10, he dodges and so on and so on, you know, all the way up to like his max AC. So that way it's just, it's not just you miss because you don't miss his, he dodges or his armor takes the blow or his shield takes the blow. You know, those kind of, it just adds a little more flavor to, to the combat makes it more interesting um, and doesn't, like Bill was saying, doesn't really take any more time than saying you don't hit with that role. What I like about that approach is you kind of outsourced the legwork to that rating system, you know, with the, the basically different DCs that are outcomes based mm -hmm. on the roles gives you a, a, a little quick tool that you can use yeah. and just quickly refer to like a reference table. To give exactly. those results instead of having to keep those numbers, you know, in your head, you can yeah. just have them on your monster card. Your, you know, if you, if you're using those, yeah, and it makes well, it and easy. It gives me a line. It, you know, I don't have to think like, uh, 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 well, you raise your sword and, uh, you know, I have a line for each one of these. You swing your sword wildly and miss him, but you swing your sword, but he definitely dodges. You swing your sword and hit, but the armor is too thick. You know, like it gives me something to say. So, mm -hmm. 
I am improving a little bit, but I have my parameter. So yeah, it, it just makes structure. it easier. Yeah, it makes it easier to not get like tripped up and like in my head of like, oh, what's happening in this fight? Um, which oftentimes can happen because because oh, yeah. you're you know you're performing when you're a player or a DM. We are performing for each other if if for nothing else. Um, and you can get in your head of like some little stage fright. Even when it's something as simple as you miss, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you want to perform and you want, like Billy said, that the point of the game is for 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 everyone to have fun. So I want to perform to make you guys have fun and I can get, you know, kind of self-conscious about it. So this this little system gives me some parameters that makes that easier. And, you know, kind of to, to add to that, especially with sort of the, the concept of outsourcing, one of the things that I love to do, and I don't, I, I can't remember where I learned this from. I didn't, I'm pretty sure I didn't come up with it myself. I'm sure I read it from somewhere or some other awesome DM taught it to me. But I love to just hand over the descriptions to the players themselves, especially on like killing blows. Yeah, you just bested this thing. How does it, how do you, how does it end? Tell us. And I try to do that as, as much as possible on those killing blows. Cause I think that's really cool. Like it's a really cool moment to allow the players to just have a, a limelight shined on them for for a moment. Mm-hmm. But you could also do that to you could outsource even more of the attacks to the players if you wish. Yeah. yeah, you were the first DM I've ever had do that, and actually the first time you did it, I had no clue what you were asking me to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I 100% cannot take like credit for coming up with the idea, uh, but I don't, I can't. Yeah, for the life of me, I don't. I don't remember what what it was, but you're like, tell me what that looks like, because I rolled, you know, and I knew I hit because you can figure out the AC at that point. Um, and I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't know what you mean. What, what, like, tell you what, 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 what looks like? Like we're standing in a forest. It looks foresty and dark. But the after that, after I knew what you know, we, you expected at that point. Um, it is kind of fun because it's like. I don't know. You, you kind of know you won the lottery at that point. Like I got the killing blow. We beat this thing. I don't feel like I've because you're you put on the spot. You know, definitely. Um, because you you can sometimes figure it out, but I don't know if I'm gonna get the killing blow. Um, so I don't always have something like planned, and I'm like, um, uh, she just kills it unceremoniously <laughs> but i mean in, in that sense like with levo the that character that made sense she wouldn't be you know necessarily flashy <laughs> efficient yeah i think yeah. it's a it's a good idea to have it as a reward so like if you if you kill a monster that's been really tough or if you do like if you try that acrobatic move and and it succeeds then you you do hand it over to the player to describe you know their reward is they do what they want to do at that yeah. point. Like what were, what was your goal? Like, what did you want this to, how did you want this to play out? Cause that's how it's going to play out. Cause you, you succeeded. And so I think keeping those down to like, a, yeah, a, a very high critical or a very risky maneuver or yeah, that killing blow on a, on the tough boss. Definitely. It's a form of a reward because it's, it gives the control to the player. Mm-hmm. And if, and it does, you know, it does take a while for them to describe what they want to do. But if you do it, you know, not on every single, oh, you killed a goblin. How did you kill the goblin? No, you just, you know, the goblin died. You yeah. know, he's fodder. But I, I think that's a, I think that's a brilliant idea. And I, I, I didn't do that until you did it. And then completely see the value in it because yeah. 
you know, you you don't want to have somebody do something risky, and then you're like, okay, this is what you do, and the guy's like, I didn't really want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, know, that's it's not what I wanted to do. I, I think I, so. I agree. As a reward, I think that's a great way to phrase it because it's a, it's it's just an easy thing to give over to the players that means so much and gives them that just agency. I feel like as a DM, I I really am hesitant anytime I have to take any agency away from the players and their characters. And so like, you know, describing their attacks, that's a simple one, but like giving them those, um, those really cool moments, I think are, is just really cool. Yeah. And I, I want to just circle back real quick to that, describing the attacks based on the success of the AC. Mm-hmm. And it, it does like, it, it's very easy. And I like it also because it can also give clues because battle is also a it's it could be a mystery of how we don't know how high that AC is. So if you say like, oh, he barely dodges and you rolled a four, that's not really fun, you know, but like, you know, if this guy rolls a 17 and you're like, oh, it's coming down. And at the last minute, he manages to get out of the way. Then, you know, oh, it was was pretty close, you know. Uh, And so if you don't have the like the ACs and all that stuff on there. And you're, you know, it, it could also just be as simple as how, how high did he roll? You know, like if he mm-hmm. rolled just below the, the AC, you know, if the monster is heavy, then he blocked it with either his shield or it barely glanced off his, you know, he turned just in time to glance it off his armor. You know, if he's high decks, then he barely dodges out of the way. Yeah. You know, if, if, if it's like, 12 or 13, you know, it's solidly that it would hit somebody not moving but him, then you can say, like, oh, it just glanced off armor, he dodges, but you don't have to say, like, he barely dodges that away. He's like, oh, you swing, but he, you know, he, you know, he turns his body and, and avoids it. Yeah, and uh, that is an interesting thing about like, D&D that I, I guess it's like in the culture, like, we don't I, it's maybe a little hard to explain. Like, I'm not supposed to know this monster when we're fighting i'm not supposed to know how much health they have i'm not supposed to know their weaknesses you know because the character doesn't know i might know you know that like this little whatever this is is uh, resistant to fire or, or whatever i'm not supposed to know their ac so i do kind of have fun in accounts like normally i do especially if it is a monster that i don't i personally don't know what it is i try to track their health so I'm like, all right, we did seven damage. Uh, Chris did four damage. Billy did eight damage. Or, you know, that's minus this. And I track their AC. So like, all right, a 15 misses, a 16 misses. Oh, 17 hits. Okay, so now I know his AC. Like it is, like you said, but like it's an investigation almost. I'm learning about this creature as we go. So those those descriptions are kind of, they're not necessary, but it's kind of cool. Like, I can figure out more about this this monster than if we just say hit or miss. Yeah. And, you know, if, if it's a complicated monster with different immunities or resistances, I feel like a good DM is going to roll those into the description to kind of hint to the players that their methods aren't effective and then to encourage them. Hopefully that will encourage them to, to adjust their tactics. You know, if it's... Yes. Um, at, some kind of like turtle monster and it's immune or resistant to piercing, you know, making sure that the ranger is getting that feedback early, you mm-hmm. know, is going to, 
it's not i, I want to talk about this later in this in this conversation about sort of the dm versus the players and whether or not you want to adopt that mindset during combat i don't yeah. think you know the game is not really built that way and i don't think that that's necessarily the most fun approach but that's my personal perspective but giving that feedback and offering that feedback to the players and allowing them to take that information as clues and adjust is going to make for a more exciting encounter. Billy, there was a game that we played, I think you referenced it in an episode past, where we were you know, in a mansion fighting some kind of spectral spirit. And based on the feedback you were giving from our combat encounter, realized that she was not going to be defeated by traditional methods. And we had to figure out a different way to kind of subdue this spirit. We wouldn't have been able to figure that out if you hadn't given us the the right amount of clues and feedback during the encounter to make those decisions, you know, otherwise, and then we probably would have just wiped and that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, combat is another investigation, but it's a different type of investigation and mm-hmm. it's, you know, and it's, it's important to know is if the, if the monster has low health and high AC mm-hmm. or low ac at high health like a giant or something you know he's a he's just a meat shield because your tactics will be different maybe you'll take that ability that hits harder but has a less chance to hit if he's got low ac because like okay it's it's worth it but you won't take it on the you know the the glass cannon who you know it's not a lot of not a lot of health but it's very hard to hit you know maybe you'll take the thing where you do less damage you know it's it's all we have those abilities to react to the different situations and the only time you're going to use them is is if you know you know clues about about the monsters and that's and I, I that's how i see the combat abilities and and combat like that is it's kind of the same thing as investigation is you need to figure out the best way to do it and then reward them for figuring out efficient way or a cool way to do it and, and you know, give them those those feedback clues mm-hmm. that they're not just you know doing the same thing every single time. Like this is my move set. This is I built my character to do this one thing, and they're going to do this one thing. Uh, and if they did, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invent a monster or modify <laughs> that monster so it doesn't work. What are you going to do now? Like oh, I'm this is this is what I do. You know, I'm very efficient at this. Okay, cool. You know, you throw another obstacle in them. Um, yeah. just because at that point they're not, you know, they're just brute forcing their way through things, which is fun from time to time, but it, it gets away yeah. from, they need to be challenged. Yes. Yeah. And that's uh, actually highlights kind of a point I wanted to, to talk about is why, why is this encounter happening? Why are the, why is the party fighting? And I think having more. And Billy, this is something that I kind of took away from you and sort of your DM and campaign like preparation mindset of making sure that the encounters do have like a, there's, there's something at stake. I don't really personally, my preference, I don't really like random encounters. They're not meaningful from a storytelling sense, but if the encounters you have in your game have purpose, then it kind of goes back to our original point of having motivations at play and tactics and strategy that would make those motivations come to fruition. It gives you just a better framework to work with. So do you guys want to talk about that at all? Just um, kind of like perspectives on 
planning encounters or selecting what encounters to have or even you know letting letting the party resolve encounters through nonviolent means i mean that's kind of a form of combat i guess what are your guys' yeah, thoughts there for, for sure um i i i hate just random random encounters because that's they do certain point but i will take random encounters when that randomness is a point like if you're resting if you choose to take your rest in an occupied dungeon that random encounter is that's part of your risk analysis you know Agreed. that's part of so that's not a useless it is you're adding to that you know the fear of okay you can take this but there's a chance that you're not going to get you're going to have to fight these guys and you're going to be unprepared and you're not going to have your rested bonuses like yeah. and waste resources you, and not be able to regain the resources you had planned to regain yeah yeah, yeah. it's and it, and so like things like that or you know to showing how you know, like if they're uh, walking through like a, a a dense forest and they're getting lost, and you know you just keep kind of throwing these random encounters at them, where it kind of you can see that they're running out of resources, they're using their spell slots, and they you know they're not getting through. Like that is a time where you're adding to the the overall atmosphere of of the situation of yeah. the, maybe they're feeling helpless or they're worried. Um, and so that's random encounters at certain points can be very, very valuable to add to the, the atmosphere. But in that point, you're not overcoming that monster. You're overcoming that forest. Mm -hmm. That forest is the over is the obstacle and the monsters are just an, almost like an ability of that forest. Like, you know, you're fighting the forest, and you you have that random thing that if you know if he rolls a you know a five percent chance that you're gonna have an encounter, so it's thinking about like he's attacking that force is attacking you, you know, and if he rolls a fifteen or a sixteen plus, he's going to hit and hitting you with those monsters or things like that. Where that's an interesting way to to like perspective to to view it, but yeah, it's it's you against the environment at that point. Exactly, and and that's when and that's the only time that I recommend monsters but you know that it's going to slow it down because yeah. combat slows down so if if that force encounter may be you know you may have two force encounters and that's your whole session good okay goodbye you didn't actually do anything yeah but and i think if so, you like when you build those yeah. encounters making sure that the difficulty is appropriate where it's you know the, the party is more or less going to get through it but you're, you're, the, the point is to kind of get them to expend some of their resources, maybe chip away at some of their health and wear them down a little bit. So each one of those little random encounters shouldn't be a, like a, a, a critical battle. Yeah. yeah. And it Are, is, I, I agree. I, in a lot of like prescribed or like written adventures, I will just skip the random encounter because it's like anytime you travel, you're supposed to roll and see like, all right, on, you know, this to this, one of these things. And and it like one random encounter from city to city to me doesn't like it doesn't add anything to the story. It really doesn't like like you Bill was saying, like it doesn't chip away motivation or chip away resources or anything because you're going to get to the next city and rest right away. I don't think that those add anything to 
to the atmosphere or anything. I mean, m- maybe sometimes if like you're going through a spooky forest and you want to have a little, a little like mini, basically like one off session in a spooky forest. Cool. But in a lot of like the the big campaigns that I've read, almost every time you travel, they want you, they want to throw a random encounter at you, but just one random encounter, and for no like no reason other than like I don't know, maybe we fight an owlbear this time. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like Bill's strategy on that. I, I I hadn't thought of it that way before, but I will from now on. And it's also, I mean, talk to your table if your table is all about you know having that chance of an encounter and you're also if you're sitting down for a four-hour session every week and you've got that time and that encounter isn't going to in the grand scheme of things pull that much away from your your playing great use them but like i know for us i would i think all of us with is um we play frequently but for less time i would gladly issue any combat encounter for more especially random encounter for more meaningful storytelling and role-playing with the party yeah so in the last adventure i ran you guys only had two combat sessions yeah with the same fucking guy (laughs) with the same guy and they both took basically the entire session yeah Um, so, so that's like an easy way to like show like these things take a long time now something i actually forgot to tell you guys um that is written that like he attacks you and then he comes back to fight you which i thought was really cool otherwise i probably wouldn't have had just a random desert encounter as you guys travel from you know one place to the other sure um but but i i liked the fact that he like came back for revenge and it you know it listed it it wrote in there that like if he gets you know low enough he'll try to run away which was like okay that's kind of cool um yeah, my he only wish was that he like I wish he would have been tied more into the story somehow. I didn't really oh. see much of a connection. At yeah, least the way and, we played and, through it. Yes, and in the book he was not at all. Um I tied him even more into the story by making him the person that uh Valor was looking for. So in the book, she's just a bounty hunter. Period. End of story. <laughs> Uh, but Chris asked who she was looking for and on the spot that like I didn't plan it. I wish I had because it was it made it nice. It made it even more interesting, even though, like you said, Chris, like it wasn't really part of the story. It, it was just like it's basically like a side story. Mm-hmm. Um, but those three things made it or I guess two things, you know, being being part of like basically a side quest and like the the interestingness because that could have been two completely random encounters you could have fought a uh a bandit on the road and muggers in the city you know yeah. it, it could be two different things because i feel like when people write campaigns they 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 look at like the ratios of all right we've got exploration we've got role playing we've got stealth we need combat so i need you know 25 percent combat so i want to spread it out evenly i want to put it here 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 you know that kind of thing and i don't i i think i don't think we i mean we've talked about it already i don't i don't think we adhere to that combat needs to move the story forward and i mean i think it needs to be dangerous like the the characters need to have a sense of of danger you know if i'm just throwing like three goblins at you and it and we're basically just going through the motions. Like, I, I don't think there's a point to it, at, you know, at that level. Agreed. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think Chris's idea of defeating combat encounters with other skills 
Like not only while you're in combat, but that's a good way to to reward your players for those other skills that you make the combat encounter the price of failure of your skill. So if you're out exploring, you mm-hmm. know, and you you give them, oh, you you think you hear something in the distance, you know, they fail their, you know, they pass their survival. You just like saying like nothing happens. That's like okay, was well, nothing going to happen in the beginning? And I understand that that's kind of like fun. You're like oh, I don't know, but it's way more fun to be like, all right. Just in time, you leap into the bushes and you hide behind trees when you see a huge patrol of, you know, you know, orcs or, you know, bugbears, you know, walk by the, you yeah. know, the previous area that you were, you know, you snuff out your fire and, and, and manage to hide. And so let them know that you just, you were about to get in the combat encounter, but you avoided it. That's a huge dopamine hit. Like when you, yeah. if you can, at least for me, if I can avoid a lengthy combat encounter, <laughs> By making a smart decision, that makes me feel good as a character and a player. Because you actually do win, like earn something in real life, and that is like time, (laughs) like and and the ability to to not expend like mental energy on something. That's that's a very interesting. Yeah, I would rather spend my time role playing and building a story with my friends than Mm -hmm. going through turn based combat. But one thing I want to talk about in terms of this concept, and especially from the DM's perspective, is just trying to remove that, especially in combat, because you you shift gears when you get into combat. You you change the style of the game and the pacing of the game. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage players to just not take the adversarial mindset. And there's kind of that classic trope of like the the evil DM um, or the vindictive DM. And combat is just a it's such an easy way to kind of take out frustrations on the players but when you're running combat there's a way to kind of focus on moving that story forward giving the giving the enemies some agency and allowing them to play it the their motivations out in kind of an unbiased way exactly that's you can't be the evil dm if if they have a set goal and they are doing they're doing their goal you're really just the the arbiter of the situation, in other words, is you have the PCs and then you have the the monsters that are doing their own thing, and you're just you're facilitating it. And I I think that like there are board games that I really like to play where there is no DM. It's a it's like a cooperative games where the like it tells you in the rules like this is what the guys are trying to do, and so you don't really need a DM. Mm-hmm. And I think having a DM is is a is absolutely fantastic because you can. There's a lot of things that a DM can do, um, so I'm definitely not adv- ad- advocating not having one or just having everybody set up a pre-planned adventure. But it, if that, if their goal, you know, if they're high-level intelligent people and their goal is to you know, take out the most damaging people first, get around, which is what you would do, you know, as the players, then you're not being an evil DM by by having those guys do that, like go after the weaker, softer characters. That's, that is what they're trying to do. And it is the player's role is to try to stop that, try to figure out how to do it. There's a difference between like, like a sadistic DM where like you are purposely planning to try to take out a character that you don't like. Somebody's being, you know, like that's being mean. Uh, It should never get to that. Like if somebody's being a jerk and they're, and they're not playing fair or by the rules or they're ruining everybody else's good time, Killing them in combat should never be a resort. It should you should talk to them offline or off to the side. Like, dude, you are what are you doing? You know, if if you're calling somebody out for for those reasons, and you, as a DM, you should not. 
try to kill them to show them what's up. Like, oh, I'm in charge and I'm going to show them. Like, that's yeah. The DM should the DM should not have to. The role of the DM is not to flex. Yeah, I was going to say it's such like an ego trip. Uh, flex, I think, is the is the better word though. Perfect. Like you feel like my players are getting one over on me, so I'll show them. But, I mean, similar to what Bill was saying, like, the, one of the first games I ever DM'd um, was the starter set, and it was, like, with my wife, her sister. I think, Chris, you were there, maybe your roommate. And my wife's sister asked me, like, so what are you, what is your role here? Are you, like, our antagonist? Like, are you the bad guy? What are you, are you here to make it difficult for us? And my answer was, like, I'm here to make sure everyone has fun. And like that's the the mentality that I've tried to keep. As long as we're all having fun, I don't care if you're getting one over on me. Like that's some that's fun for me too sometimes. Um, but yeah, you I get to go off of what Bill was saying. You if you resort to like I'll show them in combat, that's a that's not a game I want to be a part of on either side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with you, the with the problem player, and now you've become a problem DM. Like yeah. I'm. I'm piecing out on that one. If you're punishing players, punish you, you punish the players' characters for the decisions they make in an appropriate way within the game. Like that's, yeah. but don't punish a person um, in those vindictive ways. And the the last point I want to make, kind of on this general concept that we're talking about, is just a really good table, a good running table. You're all going to be on the same side as the DM. Let the players do cool stuff within reason you know don't let them just like you have to make it you have to present challenges and and hard choices and risky you know risky trade-offs but when the party takes those and they do succeed giving them those opportunities giving them those cool moments to celebrate that's what makes these games really fun so removing that adversarial perspective and being on their team and just not giving them everything but facilitating all of those opportunities for them whether they take them whether they succeed or fail at them is irrelevant either way it makes a great story but that's kind of how i view the role of the dm particularly with with combat yeah i want to get back because i do have a couple of things that i use and i think are good tips to like keep combat efficient i don't want to say quick but keep it quick might be yeah to keep it moving because quick might be a little dismissive dismissive um, I think that one of the biggest, two of the biggest things that we have done in our personal group, our like group of friends, is that we switched from running on grid to running theater of the mind more often than not. And that just makes combat so much quicker because I don't have to set up a damn map and be like, you're here, you know, basically like a chessboard. Because like, I don't, you know, when I ran that starter set, I went hog wild. I printed out all the maps at work. I taped them together. I like cut the edges off. I had the entire dungeon, all of the dungeons ready. And then you have them like on the table. And we had our covered. Lego minis, our Le- Lego minifigs. We had our Lego minifit. I wanted equipped. to play with my Legos. Fully equipped. I had Lego monsters that I made. Like I went full out. I had a blast of doing that. And that is really fun. It is, especially if you're playing in person and like your sessions are built and you have a lot of time and you've got yes. all this stuff like to 100 percent. It is cool to be able to do that. It was it was really fun. And I like. I had 
the I went through like and bought online like I went through the book and found like all of the magic items that you or like different items you would get and bought like representation Lego representations of those things. So like if you get this staff, here's that staff. And that was like really fun for me. Um, and I'm sure like an awesome reward for the player. Like you actually got this staff. Here you go. Your, your player gets to hold it now, or your character gets to hold it now. Yeah, there was nothing cooler seeing Jake's character holding in, in like his little minifig holding glass. Was it glass staffs? Yeah, uh, glass, glass, yeah, whatever, glass something. <laughs> His staff, yeah, that or... was staff. He, holding glass staffs, glass staff. <laughs> That's definitely something cool, and I, I think that I, I like that kind of the, like a lot of people think that the the grid based is like combat focused, but I think it's the other way. I like roll twenty for the exploration part of it. Like I think of it as Almost like either either Final Fantasy. Do you remember the old PlayStation game Eve Sick or what is it? Uh, Parasite Eve. Parasite uh, Eve. Eve 6, oh my saying. gosh! Yes. Parasite Eve. We're like you know it's kind of a dungeon horror game, but as soon as you run into a monster, you kind of just the combat starts and it's like a blank grid. You know, it's a blank space and you can do what you want. And that's yeah. how I I view is that if you're I like that kind of stuff for the exploration more less for the combat because it's really cool to like if you have a giant mansion to actually move through the mansion. Like, yeah, that's that's how I like it. If you are, that's my favorite thing, and that's why I'm using Roll Twenty for the yeah. next campaign. But it's it's not for the combat; it's for the exploration. Like, I definitely the theater of the mind for combat for me is a lot easier than theater of the mind for exploration. For like, if you couldn't have guessed from the first two campaigns, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard, especially when you're doing a mystery. It's hard to not have like, okay, was there a, another like there was a window there? There was a it's hard for me to put that together because when you're doing a mystery, you're creating mm -hmm. that crime scene, you're creating the scene, and it's way easier for me to like have a visual base for that. But when yeah. the encounters come, I'm not like you know, it's it's really just it's a the grid, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's that's interesting because in in the aforementioned game that we played before we started recording, where we were fighting in that in that mansion, it was really you you built the you built like the whole you built a whole city. What program did you build that in? I'm an engineer, so I used AutoCAD to build the city. <laughs> yes. So you built it in AutoCAD, um, built the road in AutoCAD, built a second city, and built the mansion. Yeah. Um, so we're exploring through the mansion, and that was super cool. And World 20 has like so many great features, like light, lighting, light, light or, yeah, or you can hide things. Like it is super, super cool. And and kind of similar to go on like what I was talking about with like me building the map and, and with Legos, like that's fun to do. It's fun for you to build and it's fun for us to explore through. But once we started combat, it got way more. It got like pretty loose. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> it, it was it was it was like a mixture. Like we were on the grid, but it was still theater of the mind ish to make it more interesting and to make it kind of just more efficient. Like I wasn't, I don't know, like I would move my player up, but my like little um, marker up and like, I, you know, I simplified it. I, but like we, we I don't know, it, it wasn't as like hard rule as I typically think of like gridded combat. Yeah. And you'll figure out what was going to work for your table. We're not sweating over the square footage of a fireball spell to make sure like one corner hits the target and every, you know what I mean? Like yeah we, we just take shortcuts to, to streamline what's important for us 
and move those also, things forward. On roll 20, a lot of that stuff is done for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that might be a, a tip. Like, again, I, I loved building it out on the table and everything. And if that's your jam, go for it. But the tools in roll 20 are just so like so easy to use. Um, they make a lot of that stuff easy. I would say other than like using theater of the mind for combat, the second thing we did as a group that made combat go quicker is we run with fewer players. Yep. Like, yeah, it, it's it's the dumbest, like most simplest thing. But we used to try to get every single buddy that would play or that could play. Our, our table was twice the size. And no one really got to shine. No one really got to like it. And then, like you said, some players would just check out like it's your move. Even if combat goes efficiently, it's going to be five minutes before you get a chance to do anything else. Easy. So you've checked out. I, I, I think maybe a, a, a side tip for players. Pay attention. Jesus Christ, pay attention. <laughs> yes. I've, it drives me insane as a player and as a DM when we get back to somebody and they're like, OK, what's going on? Like, we've been doing this. Like, it's not been that long since it's your turn. Watch. Pay attention. Plan your moves ahead. What are you going to do? What, you know, have your spell ready. So, like, sometimes, like, especially if I'm playing a, a character class that, that has a lot of spells, like, I'm looking through my spell book as everybody else is doing things. Like, I'm preparing what I want to do so... When it's my turn, I'm not doing that and wasting everyone's time. That drives me insane. That's probably my, maybe not my number one pet peeve, but it's up there. Um, have your skills and abilities and spells, descriptions and effects ready too, so that it's like, I'm casting this. Great. Can you resolve that for me? Because, you know. Because like, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what every spell does. Um, yeah. That's a good tip. Um, so, yeah. I mean, like. Like Chris said, we, we've gone through a lot of different tools. Like I've had little spell cards. Uh, we have like iPad apps. We play in the computer now. So I'm always like looking up spell, like have that stuff ready. I cast a fireball. Cool. It hits. This is what it does. This is what you have to do, you know, as a DM and as maybe other players to resolve this action, have that stuff ready. It makes it so much quicker. It's it. I promise you it's more fun if you pay attention than if you look at your phone or stack dice. Uh, it's it's more fun to pay attention because um, you were going to have better strategy and better results. The other thing that we have done, and it only saves a little bit of time, but it does save time. When I roll my initiative or I roll to hit, you hit, cool. I roll all my other stuff together. Yeah, I really roll all together, all my dice. So I'm not like rolling three or four different types of dice. I roll it. Okay, 16 does a hit. Yes. All right. I do a three, a four, and a two. You know, whatever it is. Um, it just makes it makes it snappier. All these little, little things. You know, if you've got four, five, six players, these tiny little things are going to save you a ton of time when, it, you know, when you extrapolate it out. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And like if you if you do multiple attacks, just have either on roll 20, have it in order. Or have two different, like I have a set of green dice and a set of blue dice. And so if I'm doing multiple attack, I'll run the, you know, I'll roll the attack and the damage for both at the same time. But I'm not, you know, it, the blue and blue and the green and green go together. So it's not like, okay, I only hit with one. Let me take my highest damage roll. Um, yeah. 
So you're using you know, color coding to kind of help. Yeah. Color coding, like one is, you know, my main one is my green one. That's my main hand. And the blue one's older and crappier, my blue set. So that's my offhand. And and uh, the same thing for like, for if I have multiple monsters that go the same time, have yeah. them roll at the same time. So it's yes. not just like, all right. Orc one or goblin one steps up, roll. So you just roll all of them or you roll all of the, uh, you know, all of their saves at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I would definitely advise you if you're a GM, um, get multiple sets. They're what less than ten dollars. They're so cheap. Um, for what's the name? The big name brand of dice? The um, Daiso. What? I don't know. I just said a name. Uh, you know, it's like if you go to the the store, they they come in a little plastic case. Yeah, a little. Uh, yeah. I don't think I own a single one of those. To be honest, I might. Also, I think it's cute that you assume people who play D anD D only have one set of dice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> some, some I mean, people do. I bring other pairs of dice for people that don't even have dice. I've had to do that. You know what? Uh, so, uh, very I, I, I have I have a bag of dice. Yes. I have probably ten of each type. Bag I will give you an exaggeration. I'll give you that there are two types of players. Players that have bags of dice and players that have no dice. I yeah. I might I don't think I will concede that there is a player that has one set of dice <laughs> unless it's <laughs> the very first time playing and they're like I have bought what I need for this game. Cuz yeah, it's I have the bag that Jake made me for my for like the groomsman gifts. Oh, the chainmail. The chainmail bag, which is awesome. He he yeah. just made us all chainmail bags, which is insane. That's what I use. Yeah, chainmail dice bags. I have that full of dice, and they are all junk. They're just like the cheapest dice you could buy because I don't care. And then I have like metal dice. I I like all of these like more premium ones, like that I don't even use. I've used like once, and then most of the time. <laughs> We used it roll 20 and I hit a button and it says you roll this. We used so, to also play in person a lot more yes. too. Yeah. And having those physical dice and those heavy metal dice was, I mean, it's, it's fun to have those. So also uh, I wanted to add some, some tips to what Billy was saying in terms of like grouping monsters, you can group monsters initiatives, grouping the roles. Don't be afraid to do that or pre-rolling even pre-rolling attacks just to have them ready so you're mm -hmm. not doing them, you know, every single round, like while the players are doing something, you could pre-roll the next attacks. Yes. It's like another one of those things you, you don't think it's going to save you time, but all of these little things end up saving a ton of time. I know when we're playing here, I like the kind of like the Foley work of like rolling the die and like hearing it. Mm -hmm. um, but I usually have that ahead. Like I have it rolled so that I know this is their attack roll. This is what they would roll for damage. It's just, it makes it so much snappier, especially if it's, I mean, not even especially if it's like a, a, a less important account encounter, like sometimes the big encounters, like I want to get the procedural stuff out of the way so we can focus on like the more interesting things of it. Yeah. Um, what are some other just like tactical ways that you guys keep the game or keep combat specifically moving? Um, you know, we talked about a number of different methods one of the things i like to do just as we're you know kind of going back to your point eric about at, from the player perspective i always like to let the the table know who's coming up next so that they can start thinking ahead of time while you know the, the player before them is going just to get them yeah. primed you are the only dm i've ever had that does that and i i like it and i forget to do it because i'm like oh i'm gonna copy that 
because uh, you'll say like, all right, Eric, you're up and Billy, you're on deck. Like, it is a good reminder because I expect like after like I write down as a DM, I write down your initiative. <laughs> like, I know where everybody is. Why don't you? So it's one of those things that's like it's I need to remember not to expect you to to know things. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that, I think that that's a great little tip. I think that actually came from that guy, Mark, who was DMing our Strahd Adventure League, Adventurers hmm. League game. Maybe. I think I picked it from him. And this, so like, we, we've, we've mentioned this a couple times. I, I think, if at all possible, this might be like one of the best tips to make you a better player, period. Play with a bunch of different people. As much as you can. Watch, I mean, maybe like watch people play too, if you can't, like on on i don't know youtube or twitch or whatever and listen to um, this podcast <laughs> listen to this podcast oh yeah i forgot um <laughs> because you will pick up like these little things that like oh that's interesting that's fun that's you know i never thought about describing a hit that way and i never thought about just rolling all the because like if you if you like we only played with each other for a long time but like Chris and I started going to our local game store and playing with other people. Chris plays with people at work. We all watch different media, you know, or listen to stuff and we pick up things. I think some of like the the more popular shows, you don't actually pick up as much because they edit all that stuff out. But if you watch like the nitty gritty shows or or listen to them, you, you I feel like it's it's more of a real game. Um, yeah. And that's why in this show, I try to leave a, as as long as it's relevant to what we're doing and resolving, I leave a lot of the um, stuff we're trying to figure out in there just just to, to be instructive. Like our the, yeah. our live plays aren't necessarily, I guess, like they're not like they're not adventure zone. They're not uh, yeah. f- they're not for comedy. We want to play fun games and we want to enjoy mm-hmm. them. And part of that is like how we play contributes to that. And that's what I want to, you know, help other players with, you know, leaving that stuff in. I hope it helps other players kind of give them the tools to resolve this stuff. Yeah. And and I, I think all of us have grown so much in this, like as players, as DMs, as everything, like creature designers, contact, combat designers. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is is learning from each other, like. I learned from just the both of you a lot. Um, and I know it's been hard the past year, especially. Um, and with all of us being, I mean, the four people who play this this game are in four different states. So, like, we don't get to play together. But it, it's important to, like, to watch others and, 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 like, expand your lexicon, basically. Yeah, I mean, I especially just, like, you know, we I, we've all learned from each other. Um, the community is so amazing that there's an, a wealth of information on how to be a better DM, how to improve as a player, how to bring just like better experiences to your table. So just learn as much as you can. Try out everything. Try out different tools, apps, approaches, perspectives. You're going to find what sticks. You're going to find what's going to work for you and just jettison what doesn't. That's really the the kind of spirit of what we're trying to do for our games it'd be great if we could play all together in person all the mm-hmm. time but you know and, and using the apps is fun but we do our kind of 80 20 principle to yeah. get the most enjoyment with the the minimal amount of investment possible cool is there anything else you guys want to talk about i can't think of any other i mean like i'm i 
cheat a little when we do things like this and I'm looking up lists to like yeah. help me jog my memory. And some of the things that the lists have are like run easier battles, which like, okay, duh. Like that's going to make it faster, but that's not going to do kind of what we talked about, which is make it like important. Yeah. I would rather run I would rather run fewer battles and important battles than like okay, this random encounter was supposed to be an owl bear, but let's make it a, a bug bear instead. I don't I, I like it those kind of like simple battles with foregone conclusions, like we're gonna win this. It's just gonna take us three rounds. Drive me nuts. Like yeah. this stuff like that, I don't I, I want you to maybe fail. Uh, <laughs> or or have to think, you know, have to actually spend resources or you know kind of whatever the the point is but i i kind of don't agree with that one yeah um one of the other things this list said is keep battlegrounds simple and i'm not i don't i don't know if i agree with that one either simpler combat area makes faster battles maybe yeah. but it doesn't but again like i'm not looking for just fast battles i'm looking for efficient battles and interesting and fun and important battles yeah. yeah if it's interesting then it doesn't slog like it may take longer but if it's interesting everybody's involved if there are multiple levels and obstacles that people are hiding behind it it makes it a little bit more interesting and people should be paying more attention because exactly. the like if you then you're going tactical and exactly. if, if and if yeah. people want to do tactical or you have that one or two tactical in the uh combats the you know the boss battle and some other mm -hmm. things having an yeah. overly simplified battlefield also give like elements like cover and you know other things that could be on the field that the that the party can use and that the enemies can use makes for i think more interesting combat but you're also if you're not allowing the players to utilize things like cover yeah you're kind of hamstringing them in that sense too i've been playing a lot of Solasta. Um, which is an awesome <laughs> 5e rule set within a game and just it's made me a better combat player in DD just from using those elements because you have to like you really have to pay attention to those things yeah and i think billy nailed it when he said like like combat can take a long time if it's fun and it's not a slog like i i, I think that might like be the new thesis of like what I'm looking for. I don't necessarily need it to be efficient or fast. I need it to not feel that way. I need it to not feel like a slog. That's a good distinction. If, yeah. If everybody's having fun and it takes the whole session. Good. Like that's, that's fine. That is in fact, that is in fact good. And what I'm trying to do. Um, so, so one of the other things they, they had on here was use fewer monsters and use monsters of the same type. And again, I disagree. From what Billy was saying earlier, like, I want different types of monsters that are going to challenge you in different ways. Like, if this is a, if I have already done my due diligence and cut all the combat that doesn't add anything to this story, I want my encounters to be interesting. I don't want to just throw 10 goblins at you. So you, well, I know what a goblin does. I know how to, I know how to react to them. You know, if it's five goblins, a couple bugbears and a hobgoblin, like, okay, what do I do? Like, this is different now. Um, or, or, you know, whatever the scenario is. So I disagree with that one out of yeah. hand also. We also give, like, I understand the spirit of it. Like, one monster type is easier to deal with. But to your point, like, a bugbear with some goblins and maybe, like, a direwolf, there's, like, 
the goblins have different hit and run tactics and pack tactics that they can use. The bugbear is going to be a heavy hitter. Like there's so many more elements that you have to factor from a combat standpoint that makes it more difficult and therefore more interesting. At the very least, the stakes are raised. Yeah, and I think again, like what Billy what Billy said, I don't I don't think the goal should be necessarily to make combat faster. I think it should be to make it efficient and interesting and yeah. important. And some other ways to make it interesting, too, or it's just like other ways to resolve the combat. You know, if there's like, oh, there's a horde of goblins, but there's also, you know, a a huge boulder precariously perched on a ledge above. You know, you give at least something like a way to resolve or end it in a fast way. That's interesting, because very few times, I think, would I as a player, and it might just be because like this is like the, the zeitgeist of like, how things how like D works or how we think it works very few times as a player would i think to like look for environmental kills would i even ask the dm like okay do any of these trees look like i could push them down or chop them down or like is there a river like i don't think i would that's so interesting i don't i just don't think that i would do that i'm watching or i've watched i am watching right now the celesta because i looked to see if it was on sale uh so i was distracted for a second um <laughs> the celesta like uh video and right as you said that there was a a clip of like somebody pushing a rock onto a group of people so i see where your head's at oh i've done that plenty of times in celeste i've dropped <laughs> boulders on orcs I've, I've pushed you know enemies into lava it's yeah it's like par for the course but uh, to your point though if you're not as if the dm's not offering those things and the player you don't even think to look for those things it's not going to happen but if a player, if, if we're in combat and we're like in a valley and we're fighting and Billy's character asks if there's something like that and I hadn't thought about it, I think that's a great idea. Now there is. Yep. And that's and that's what I call that that immediate world building, you know, that collaborative mm-hmm. world building. Um, I hadn't put that in there, but I'm going to now. You're still going to have to go through some hoops to like. Yeah. And challenges to to resolve that. But I want that to happen. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, like, in Divinity, like, the Divinity games, the original Sin ones, like, they are very close to Dungeons & Dragons, and, in fact, the new one, um, you know, is. And that game is, like, based around, or at least combat at least is based around, like, environmental hazards and different things like that. Like, I want to pour this oil on the ground so I can light it on fire. Like, it's so, so, so tactical, but I I don't take that like thinking into this game for whatever reason. And again, it's probably just like muscle memory basically of like, this is how tech like combat works in this game. And it's not how combat works in video games, which I am usually a proponent of like, because they are not the same and never shall the two meet kind of thing. Um, But the games, like the video games that are like very much based on Dungeons and Dragons, I think really interesting combat strategies and tactics and ways to run them from these these types of 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 games because these like developers have spent years designing this combat yeah and Um, you know i so i i it's funny because i typically do not like combat or i shouldn't say i don't like it it's not my favorite part of the games that we play typically but i really enjoy games like salasta boulders gate and in the divinity series because it gives me like i guess the gamification of the combat makes it more fun and i guess and it's it's also it's just me playing so i can take my time and be thoughtful 
with my decisions and playing with combat there and, and kind of yeah. exploring those options. Yeah. So I, I, I think, I think you kind of hit it like the nail on the head. A lot of um, the reason I like these games is because they do the things that we were talking about. <laughs> like, like yeah. they make it efficient. They make the battles important and they make them interesting. So it's, it's fun. And they give you opportunities to explore some of those more unique combat mechanics that maybe you wouldn't typically use or explore in your tabletop game, like putting the oil or, or shocking the water or, mm -hmm. you know, other, other things using caltrops or there's, there's a ton of, or cutting the rope to make the sandbags fall. You know, there's yeah. so many, or, or chandelier else i mean another one that they say is determine targets randomly which i do sometimes if yeah. eh. if my monster doesn't have like a specific like billy was saying like if they have a specific motivation i'm gonna like oh shit that archer's gonna kill us so let me go get him first like with the with the bandit i did determine which you guys randomly i just rolled a d6 and mm -hmm. each of you had your your like assigned numbers um but it was because he he is kind of shooting wildly. And that was how I resolved shooting wildly. Like he wasn't taking aim at Chris and then rolling his D20. He was just like, you asshole, and like just shot. So, yeah, again, I don't think I agree with that. I absolutely disagree because then it doesn't give the players control over the situation in that you need to have the monsters re react in response to what they're doing. Like you are you know the gm's a narrator so they mm -hmm. are they are putting the inputs and then you are formulating what happens and then giving the outputs and so having the character randomly decide a you know if it's a not a smart you know creature if it's just animal instinct it'll probably go after what it sees as the biggest threat like unless it's like a a zero intelligence monster it will have some idea of what it wants to do and just having it a random takes away your the characters you know because they could do something brilliantly and you're just like yeah okay it's, you know like it doesn't really matter like yeah it's gonna be, everything's gonna be random anyway so why do what you need to do so yeah. them, if, if they do something brilliant like if you have a, a downed character and the character you know steps up to yeah like the, if a character steps to protect it but yeah the dog still like yeah I, and I, the I dog is gonna be like oh it's like you you think like is the dog gonna tr hit the character that's already like down and is not a threat or this now you have a new threat coming here what is the dog going to do like yeah it's it like <laughs> and if i picked characters randomly i assume it means like rolling is the dog gonna turn and run away to like a different character like and just run back and forth and back and forth yeah yeah, yeah. i think so, there's a time and place to use any kind of random thing like that but it's very mm -hmm. very selective yeah. and small it, this might be my bad for I, i'm picking on this list but it's tips to speed up combat and my not make good combat not make good yeah um and i think we kind of shifted talking today just from like efficient combat to good combat i think that's yeah a really good distinction Billy efficient. made. you know not a sloggy combat so when i say like keep it mm -hmm. moving you know you you can you can keep the encounter moving by just skipping the combat entirely <laughs> right yeah. you know <laughs> or just having them one shot the character oh you you have giving them one hp that'll that'll get that combat moving real quick 
Yeah, like minions or swarms. Yeah, and that could be fun. Like that could be a a neat encounter. Like there are. I mean, we did it with rats. I guess you know, like if you hit it, you kill it. But there's a hundred of them. Yeah. Um, So I, 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 I think again, my my distinction now is going to be like efficient, important, and damn, I forgot the third one. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you. And I think these are only making it not even efficient, just fast. Because another one of their suggestions is to use the like standard damage. So like when you on your like stat block, it'll say, you know, does like this much, to, you know, 2d6 does this much to this much damage or averaged as this. Yeah. Um, and I disagree with that, too. Uh, I did that in the very first um, starter set encounter with the goblins and billy called me out on it like after two things he's like are you using the average hit the average damage and i was like yeah he's like don't do that <laughs> like called me out he's yeah. like because i know what it is and yep. like and had like all these reasons against it and i was like oh, all right fair play so yeah. like i i like i didn't know to not do that Bill, do i want to talk health. about those reasons yeah if you have six health and you know that their average damage is five you know you can tank another hit but if it's if there's a range, you get the risk. Like it adds. Yeah. It, I mean, in it, I think that average damage is more for a GM tool to figure out how hard this monster hits. This is about the same thing for the average health points. I think it's really fun. Like when you have a monster, just give them the average one. But if you have like characters, like if you have a bunch of bandits, they're not all going to have the exact same HP. Have them like give them a little character and give them different weapons. Uh, and then adjust their AC respectively. So if they all have a shield and a and a and a longsword, make give take one of them away their shield and give them a uh, you know a greatsword or yeah. or yeah, or an axe and adjust things respectively. But oh, this guy's going to have one le- more strength and one less dexterity. Adjust their stats, and it's a very quick thing to do. But it just it gives them a little bit different. Like you have two, you know, you have this one with a, a sword and a shield, this one with a great axe, and this one with two daggers or a bow. Like, change their weapons out. And it, now, you now they're want... more of a balanced party that you have to, you know, yeah. adapt to. They have more and, diversity. Damn. Yeah. And see, this yeah. is why I listen to this show. I, that's a good <laughs> tip. Yeah. I, I, it, and it adds diversity. Like, if everybody has, you know, 28 hit points, you can kind of keep track of them. But, you know, if the big guy, you're probably going to have, you know, give them a little bit more and make the little guy a little bit less. You can just have them average to be the same. So... The big guy gets five more. The little guy gets five less. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of using that average that's provided in the the DM books as kind of a, a finger in the wind to understand how the, how hard this thing hits or what it's capable of, and then you know tweaking it appropriately, just kind of like with the challenge ratings. Yeah, I never never thought of like the hit points is hit points. Like I never thought of it being the average because i'm looking at the goblin stat block and you know hit point seven 2d6 so like i could easily just roll 2d6 and get their hit points they could be 12 like <laughs> this could be a beefy goblin yeah Damn. um that's that's yeah that's and i think that would be fun like if, if you're metagame if a player's metagaming and they've done you know 11 damage to this goblin they're like wtf why is this goblin still standing exactly and, and it goes along the line i mean it's just the opposite the reverse of what bill was saying about using the the like averaged damage like the average damage for a short bow for a goblin is five if if i'm only using that and billy's character has six hit points he knows he can he knows he can take two so 
if we know that a, like because goblins everybody knows goblins if you know that their hit points is seven and i know like i do this much damage like it it, it changes this the scenario but if i don't know what it is you know it's it adds to that mystery mm-hmm. um that we talked about earlier like that that investigation of these characters okay i know they're goblins maybe their ac is a little different maybe their damage is a little different maybe their hit points are a little different i think that's a super interesting and the player's going go about it the player is going to play and react differently to that and it might be subtle but they're going to probably act with more self-preservation they're probably going to act with more tactical uh more sound tactical choices uh you know there'll be some slight shifts as a result of that i think yeah it's with the theater of the mind too like because when instead of calling them goblin one or goblin two you can say great ass great axe goblin or sword goblin or skinny goblin beefy goblin yeah. oh, there you, was there was a tip that i had read on some blog somewhere can't i wish i, I need to start remembering so i can give credit they recommended something similar, Billy, but they would give them like, oh, this, this, the, you know, wart faced goblin or like the, yeah. you know, giving them, giving them like descriptive characteristics. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's uh, way better than goblin two steps up or goblin one. Just, you know, give them different characteristics. And yeah, even if they're all exactly the same, you can call them, you know, give them just, you know, aesthetic characteristics. But like if you're, you know, if you are fighting a gang of, know a bunch of rogues or a bunch of villagers or whatever you know just saying like oh you you attack the the bigger one with the great sword or the the smaller one oh i attack the skinny one and just and then when when you're refreshing okay where's everybody oh the skinny you know the skinny rogue is you know over you know with this character and the beefy one you know is is surrounded you know he's he's being flanked and it's better than just okay goblin one or goblin you know, yeah. two or okay, which one do you hit? Do you hit the one like it, that's always what I think slogs it down is trying to remember when you have multiple of the same guys. Definitely. Like, okay, who did I hit already? Who who's where did that guy move? Because like you hit the guy. Okay, did I hit that one? Is that the one I hit already? But yeah, that how many times did that ask? Yeah. As a player also mm-hmm. it's helpful to keep those notes and be aware yeah. of like who's been damaged so you don't have to keep mm-hmm. asking the DM. Yes. So that that I think this is a great tip for making combat interesting. Maybe not efficient because that's going to take the DM a lot longer than just like six goblins and they're all the same. Um, but do your work beforehand. Yeah. But I really like, and that's one thing I've been guilty of is just kind of like enemy a enemy B. And that's a, that's a really good tip of just whatever kind of distinction you can bring to the baddies, whether it's, you know, by their weapons or their aesthetics or other, you know, maybe their behaviors, but bringing more flavor to that to kind of differentiate them. Cool idea. I think that is it. Yeah. I can't think of anything else. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, I think that wraps up this week's episode on how to make D&D combat more interesting, efficient, and effective. Those are just some of our favorite tips, but we want to hear about yours. Let us know in the comments how you keep encounters moving and what you do to keep them fresh and interesting. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and make sure to give it a like or review. It goes a long way in supporting the show. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.